From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, God is in the Front Line. The text is found in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8. The Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. In the presence of a great work or a great warfare, Here is a text which should help us to buckle on our harness. If Jehovah himself goes before us, it must be safe to follow. Who can obstruct our progress if the Lord himself is in the van? Come, brother soldiers, let us make a prompt advance. Why do we hesitate to pass on to victory? Nor is the Lord before us only. He is with us, above, beneath, around, Within is the omnipotent, omnipresent one. In all time, even to eternity, he will be with us even as he has been. How this should nerve our arm! Dash at it boldly, ye soldiers of the cross, for the Lord of hosts is with us. Being before us and with us, he will never withdraw his help. He cannot fail in himself, and he will not fail toward us. He will continue to help us according to our need, even to the end. As he cannot fail us, so he will not forsake us. He will always be both able and willing to grant us strength and succor till fighting days are gone. Let us not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord of hosts will go down to the battle with us, will bear the brunt of the fight, and give us the victory. Sound forth and learn. 
In this day of many uncertainties, the political unrest, widespread violence, and moral confusion, people are asking, what is it all about? What does life mean, or does it have any meaning? Thankfully, there is one place where despairing men, women, and young people can find the answers to those questions, the Holy Bible, God's inspired, inerrant word. The Apostle Paul, speaking of the gospel, wrote, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He was referring to the righteousness that God gives to sinners on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. A medical doctor who found life's answer in Christ has written a brief summary of the central teaching of the Bible in a booklet called The Meaning of Life and the Love of God. In a few clearly written pages, he explains how sinners can find forgiveness and redemption in God's blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For a free copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 
1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, and we'll be happy to provide it. On this edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of a message entitled, Christ the Lord of the Sabbath and the Superior of the Temple. From the passage in Mark chapter 2, we see another instance of Christ arousing the anger of the Pharisees by, in their view, violating the Sabbath. Following the incident of the disciples plucking and eating grain on the Sabbath, incurring a criticism from the Pharisees, Christ then healed a man with a withered hand in the synagogue. In the face of the opposition of the Pharisees, Christ confronted them with two claims. First, he declared himself to be Lord of the Sabbath, with the prerogative to say what could and could not be done. Then the Lord Jesus declared himself to be greater than the temple, the one in whom the offices of prophet, priest, and king were united. It is through Christ alone that men can come to God. Now, to continue this message, Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath and the Superior of the Temple, here is Dr. Cairns. Let's make sure always that our opinions do three things. Number one, that they conform to a proper understanding of God's Word. I know that's a little difficult. I've had people come and tell me the craziest things downright crazy things that they quote a Bible verse for. Oh, the Lord gave me this verse. Now, I, let me back up. I believe this is a living book and God can use this book, make a word highlight out for me to give me direction in life. I, I know the Lord can do that, but I cannot impose that on anybody else's conscience. The proof of whether God has directed my thoughts or not will come in the fulfilling. But the job of every Christian is to read this book and get the meaning of the book in its proper meaning. 
that's hard work for a lot of people. And some people are not willing to do it. But I want to tell you, if you're not willing to do it, then don't be so bitterly certain about your opinions until you make sure they're based in that book. It's the first thing. The second thing, our opinions should always respect the Lordship of Christ. What he saith unto thee, do it. Do it. Our opinions should wed us more and more to the Lordship of Christ. And our opinions should always lead us to show the love of Christ in mercy toward our fellow men. Time forbids that I pursue that further. Those are three points that you could take all day preaching. I am concerned, and I, I start with me. I am no uh, superman, and I, I, I start with me. It is so easy for us to make a Bible quotation an excuse for shutting our hearts against needy souls. Just dismiss them. Especially to put them into a big crowd and give them a name. Just dismiss them. The Lord of the Sabbath teaches us this in the strict context of Sabbath keeping. But it applies to keeping of every other part of the revealed will of God. Do it with these three great things in mind. Comply with Scripture. Properly understood. Comply with the Lordship of Christ. And comply with the love of Christ and the outpouring of mercy toward the needy. Let me come to the second great claim that the Savior makes, which is that he is the superior of the temple. It's a wonderful statement in verse 6 of Matthew 12, that here is one greater than the temple. Now, the argument is you would never condemn the priests for working on the temple on the Sabbath, yet you condemn my disciples for working for me on the Sabbath, and I am greater than the temple. In Matthew 12, though there's, there are chronological gaps that are made up from other places in the Gospels, but in Matthew 12, there are three great statements where Jesus says, I am greater. Verse 6, greater than the temple. Verse 41, greater than Jonas. Verse 42, greater than Solomon. Now, I'm not going to preach on those at all because I did preach on them some considerable time ago, and I don't want to repeat myself. But there you have the triple offices of Christ. He's greater than Jonas. He's the greater prophet. He's greater than Solomon. He's the greater king. And here in verse 6, he's greater than the temple. He's the greater priest. He's presenting himself as the sole sufficient and final mediator between God and man, our prophet, priest, and king. Now look at this greater than the temple. How is that? Well, he's greater than the temple as a dwelling place of God among men. That was the meaning of the temple. Started with the tabernacle and now with the temple. It was God's dwelling place among men. But Jesus says, I am greater. 
He is the tabernacle of God with man. John 1 verse 14 tells us that he tabernacled among us. The word dwelt in the authorized version is the word he tabernacled among us. He was God's temple among us. You remember in John chapter 2, he speaks of his body as the temple. Destroy this temple, and I raise it up again in three days. So as the dwelling place of God, he was greater than the temple. He was greater than the temple as the place where God's glory was perfectly revealed. You remember that when the temple was built, the Shekinah glory came down. Ah, but then you remember that that Shekinah glory removed in the days of Ezekiel. But the Lord Jesus Christ was the perfect embodiment of the glory of God. It wasn't just that there was a cloud as the sacramental token of the presence of God and His glory. Christ was God manifested in the flesh. It is greater as a revelation of divine glory. And he was greater as the place of reconciliation and fellowship with God. In the temple, as in the tabernacle, God said, There will I meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are upon the ark of the testimony. Now all that prefigured Christ. He is greater as the substance is greater than the shadow as the reality is greater than the type, the fulfillment is greater than the prophecy. Jesus is greater than the temple because God says, there will I meet with thee. I want you to understand that. This is exclusive Christianity. Where is the one place where God will meet with man? To use the Old Testament language, between the cherubim. Where was that? It was on the mercy seat. Exodus 25. The mercy seat was made out of gold and beaten out of the end of it were two cherubim, each facing the other. The cherubim in Scripture, starting in Genesis 3, are associated with the judgment of God. It was the cherubim who kept the way to the tree of life with the flaming sword. Here you have divine judgment, and it's looking down upon the mercy seat. It's looking down upon, to give it its big name, the propitiatory, the place where the blood was sprinkled to satisfy divine wrath. Judgment satisfied in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And God says where the blood of my son has been shed where judgment has been satisfied there will I meet with thee and I will commune with thee and no other place if that sounds very exclusive that's exactly how I mean it you do not meet with God through Muhammad, nor can you. Muhammad is in hell and has no mediatorial power. You do not meet with God through Buddhism, 
You do not meet with God except through the mediation and blood of Jesus Christ. He says, there was one temple of God on the earth. Greek, the Greeks had their temples. The Romans had their temples. But there was only one temple where God met with men. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of all that that temple prefigures. I am greater than the temple. Here, here, God will meet with you. You'll be reconciled to God. Jew or Gentile, men of every race, every religion, every culture, every creed, men of every background, of every educational or economic or social status in life, they can come to the one Christ and God says, there will I meet with you. He's greater than the temple. In those ways, he's greater in his priesthood. In the temple, the priests ministered. Do you know the first thing they had to do? They had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. That's why the priests of the Old Testament never actually removed anybody's sins. Romans 3 tells us God forbore, was through the forbearance of God, that, as it were, he overlooked those sins, looking forward to the blood of his Son, he forgave them. But the priests were sinners. Christ's priesthood is a sinless priesthood. He didn't need to offer for his own sins, for he had not. Furthermore, the priest died. One of the most uh, poignant pictures in Scripture is when Moses and Aaron and Eleazar went out of the camp and up into the mount. Moses took the clothes of the high priest off Aaron and he put them in Eleazar and Aaron lay down to die and it was a new high priest who came down that day then Eleazar died and they took his garments and they put, put them upon his son Phinehas and then he died, and then the next one, and the next one. It was a transferable priesthood. But Paul writes to the Hebrews that Christ has an unchangeable, the word is an untransferable priesthood. Oh, he's greater than the temple and its priesthood. He's greater than the temple and the perfection of his work. In the temple, every year there was the, obser the observance of the Day of Atonement. But those sacrifices could never put away sin. Read Hebrews 10, if you will, especially the first 14 verses, and you'll find out that there, if they had taken away sin, they would have ceased being offered. If the sacrifice this year dealt with sin, then it wouldn't need to be repeated next year. But the very repetition of the sacrifice was proof of its inefficiency. But we read in Hebrews chapter 10, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Better than the temple in the atonement 
that he made and in the acceptance that he gained. He sat down at the right hand of God. I've often pointed out, and you should never forget, that when God gave the rules for the priests to work in the tabernacle and then in the temple, he made no provision for them to rest. You read about the details. God said, make it according to the pattern that was shown you in the mount. Read of the details of the priests. Everything was given right down to the pins and cords of the tabernacle. Down to the detail of the ashes. God didn't overlook anything. So this is not just arguing from silence. God meant that that there was no seat in the tabernacle for the priest because he could not rest. His work was never done. But when on Calvary Christ cried, It is finished. He offered one sacrifice forever and then did what? He sat down. And by the way, when you get to Matthew 8, Jesus tells us what we're going to do in the kingdom. What will we do? Many shall come from the east and the west and do what? Shall sit down. What are we doing? We're resting forever in the merit of the acceptance and the finished work of Christ. And so in him we have acceptance. And that's the force of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, that we are accepted in the beloved, accepted in the Son of God's love. Oh, he's greater than the temple and the perfection of his work, his atonement, his acceptance, and therefore in the access to God that he gives to all his people. There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians 3, verse 12, which says that we have boldness and access with confidence through him. Boldness and access with confidence through him. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 